Welcome to Please Bet on Football Games. Hello and welcome to the Super Bowl edition of Please Bet on Football Games. I'm your host, Alex, here with the on-air talent, Joe. Joe, how are you doing today? I'm so ready to talk about football <laughs> because I've, like, the first week after the championship week is always a little slow and you're like, ah, I could take it or leave it, football, whatever. And then the Pro Bowl Sunday comes and all of a sudden I start scratching my throat because I need some actual, like, NFL matchup content rather than just like, oh, is Tom Brady the best ever? Yes, shut the f*** up. Let's talk about football. Also, I just cursed within the first five minutes. There goes our YouTube algorithm. <laughs> Uh, I'll beep it. I'll bleep it. I'll in post. It's been bleeped. We can continue. We made it 25 seconds. We're back in. All right. Actual football. Not who's going to get who. Not who ranks where in all-time history. We've got Chiefs. We've got Eagles. They play each other. It matters. Where should we start? I think we should just start at the beginning. So 5.30 p.m. Sunday. We have the Eagles and the Chiefs playing. The Eagles right now are minus one and a half. But you can shop that. You can shop that. But seems like this number is moving a little bit, generally staying on Eagles as slight favorites. <clears throat> yeah, Eagles are the consensus favorites, but you can find it anywhere between minus three and zero if you have a time machine and you have a lot of outs. Yeah, but so it looks like across the board, it's slight favorite Eagles. Do you think that the Eagles should be favored? I feel like that's the first place to start. Okay, so we have a long history on this podcast of calling games actionable or not actionable. And that's basically because I believe that if a line is minus one and a half and you have an opinion on who should win this game, you should bet that game every time. Because I don't think that any line under two exists. The odds that a game falls on exactly one. So like we've, we've got a lot of data, right? We can look at all the games in the last 15 years. We can look at all the games since they changed the overtime rules, whatever endpoint you want to pick. Games end with a one point score differential about two to 3% of the time. Whereas they land on three about 10 to 15% of the time. So if a line is minus one, pick the winner. If the line is minus one and a half, pick the winner. If the line is minus two, eh, pick, pick the winner. See, I, st- I almost swore again there. But it's not five minutes yet, so I can't. Proud of you. Uh, so this game is actionable. I honestly don't care who's favored. I Either way, I would bet the underdog money line or the favorite minus one and a half. And in this case, yeah, I'll give the lead up three minutes into the pod. I have money on the Chiefs money line, but more so because I'm clever on Patrick Mahomes MVP. You get slightly better odds and those things are almost one-to-one correlated. Yeah, I mean, I feel like, you know, there's there's a chance that the Chiefs win and Travis Kelsey or Chris Jones or somebody has an insane game. Like if Chris Jones forces two fumbles. I don't think that it matters because here's the problem. I think Tom Brady retiring guaranteed Mahomes gets the MVP if he wins because for the last week, all anybody has been talking about is how if Mahomes wins this game, is he already better than Brady? I mean, I yes, but those people are idiots. We're not we're not getting into the merits of that discussion because I think it's absolutely absurd. I don't think Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL right now, much less ever. However, ever, 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 the mere fact that it's been brought up is going to make the MVP voters, also known as legacy media, casual fans, hone in on how did Patrick Mahomes play. And if they win, they will find a way to convince themselves he was the reason. I don't know. 
I don't know about that. I think you definitely have the right odds. It's tough for them to not win and him to not get it, but there are definitely ways where he, where the Chiefs win and Mahomes is not the MVP. It's gonna be tough. I mean, I like you can look at previous Super Bowls of like who won MVP in that uh, Rams Patriots Super Bowl. There were like no points scored and everybody already had Brady fatigue. But I get your meaning. Yeah. Um. And then it was the the Eagles Patriots, wasn't it? The the D end that caused the fumble. Was it? Oh no, it was full. It had to be Foles. <laughs> Foles, I was like, Foles you're right. 40 points, dude. This is a 95% who won the game at quarterback award as it is. Yeah. And Mahomes also I'm, has the hype. I'm just trying to think of like recent ones where they haven't done that, especially where there have been big defensive plays. Okay. And like I could Malcolm see Chris Butler Jones. Pick. Malcolm Butler pick. Mm-hmm. Tom Brady won MVP. He did. Um, James White, 16 catches. Tom Brady won MVP. Rightfully. Well, that rightfully. One, that one that should have happened, but... <laughs> Yeah, because I'm just trying to think, like, if Chris Jones has a sack and then, you know, gets a sack fumble to seal the game at the end of it or something, like, and this is a 21-20 to 20 game. Like Aaron Donald last year? Y- yes, but... And who won MVP? But that was because Stafford played really, really well. Actually, Cooper Cup won the MVP, which is absurd. Um, but, like... Exactly. It doesn't have to be the quarterback. <laughs> Granted, it goes to your hype train argument because Cooper Cup was it's the hype train all guy. Ab- it's all about who's the hypey dude on the winning team that put the fantasy points on the board. This is just so far off from where this game is going. Um, We've wasted too much time on how to get at the parallels. But basically, if you're going to bet on one of these teams winning, if you're betting on the Chiefs, you should probably bet Mahomes MVP. If you're betting on the Eagles, it's less of a slam dunk because of their talent. Mm-hmm. That is a wonderful segue. Should we talk about personnel matchups probably starting on the lines? Yeah, let's do that first. So here, since we've already talked about Mahomes a bit, we'll do Eagles defense, okay. Chiefs offense. All right, so start on the defensive line because that's that's really where the Eagles make their money, right? Yes. This is going to sound funky, and maybe I'm shoehorning this because you are the Browns whisperer, but I see the Browns defensive line. I see different ways of getting there, but it's a weak interior that is old with really good edges. That said, as much as I love Hassan Reddick, and I've been banging his drum since he was drafted, mm-hmm. I loved him out of Temple because he was a converted safety to defensive end, and if you used to play safety and now you play something else, I love you. Always. <laughs> like, it's just what it is. I love safety linebackers, I love safety defensive ends, and I even like Algeria Sneed, we'll talk about later. Safety to corner. I love it. That said, Hassan Reddick is one-dimensional. He is a speed rusher. If you get hands on him and you're a big defense or offensive tackle, like an Orlando Brown, let's say, if you get hands on him, you win. And if you run at him, you win. You He wins with speed and bending the edge, and he's amazing at it. And he'll bend that edge, but... He's not unstoppable. He's not a Miles Garrett. He's not a Nick Bosa. He's not a Max Crosby. On the other side, you're probably going to have Josh Sweat. He's good. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's great. No. And then you got Derek Barnett. He's a good backup. Yeah. I think he was on the Cots fumble in that uh, Eagles Patriots. Uh, he was. But like Derek Barnett's a good backup. Yeah. We weren't very high on him coming out of Tennessee, anyways. And then Brandon Graham at this stage is a low end starter, high end backup. But a top-tier shit talker. And was a great player. Like, not quite a Hall of Famer, but he was near that threshold. He was very good for a long time. Speaking of which, you also got Robert Quinn. Remember when I said he would never play for the Eagles? Where are my flowers? I want them. So, (coughs) 
It's very, it's outside rush. It's almost entirely speed rush from the outside. You can step up into that pocket. You can run up the middle. You can run anywhere, really. I don't think the interior is as weak as you think it is. I like Hargraves. I do. I like Hargrave a lot. And Fletcher Cox is, he's, Fletcher Cox he's is just sad. a body. He's sad. He's, he he's was a body. so amazing for, literally last year he was great. And it's just, <laughs> um, Which isn't shocking given how old he is and how many yeah. miles he's put on. I mean, Linval Joseph and Indominus Sue were their bodies as well, but any of those bodies would be upgrades on the Browns' interior line. Well, yeah. By a pretty significant margin, and like they don't have the edge rush talent that the Browns do, but I think this is a much, much better line than the Browns have. But it's a similar style. So I bring that up just to ask how do you exploit edge-heavy defensive lines? See, I, I don't I don't even think it's fair to call them edge heavy though i think they have a pretty good line across the board i mean they're not going to get a crazy push from the interior i was going to say because you should go into the matchup on that but how many interior line or d lines are providing a push it's like chris jones and aaron donald i was gonna say we got one on the other side this week yeah Uh, but like they're yeah i mean they, they they clog holes. They create a little bit of pressure, um, but they're not also they're not getting pushed four yards downfield every time either. It uh, is, I think they're fine. It is kind of a funky matchup because let's just talk while we're here. Let's talk the, the trench battle because the Chiefs have. Do they have the best interior three in the NFL? Because it's up there. Um, I think as long as everyone's healthy, yeah. Yeah, Creed Humphrey is a stud. He's a top five center. And then you've got, uh, who's the fucking five-star? We're outside five minutes. We're good. <laughs> you who's got Joe Tooney and then Trey, Trey Smith. Trey Smith, the five-star out of Tennessee. Those are three really, really good players. Yeah. Like, the worst is probably Trey Smith, who's a B-plus player at the worst. He, I mean, he was really good in college. He was really good every... He's never been not good. He just had fucking blood, blood clots, clots in his, in his lungs. Oh, I thought it was his legs. legs. It might be. I don't know. If your I, blood is clotting in your 20s, something's wrong. Yeah. I, like, I know Chris Bosh may have been... He, he may have been the one with it in his lungs. I just... Those are the two blood Chris clot Brush, guys. Chris Trey Smith, you know... Whatever. Um, but yeah, no, their interior O-line is incredible. I mean... But it gets kind of wasted because the defensive interior of the Eagles is kind of weak. And their linebackers are certainly weak. So, eh. Yeah, I mean, I don't think... And also, like, the, the Chiefs are not an offense that <coughs> develops a lot through their interior O-line. Like, they don't do a lot of running up the... They don't do the a lot of running. You could have stopped it at running. Yeah, and... I mean, Mahomes does step up in the pocket, but a lot of the time he's rolling out left or right compared to going up through the middle. Absolutely. Um, but it'll it'll definitely help. I mean, I think the bigger issue is that you have Andrew Wiley out there. That's the thing. You've got Wiley, and then Orlando Brown has been... He's had a down year. He's usually like a B to B-plus tackle, and this year he's been more of a B to B-minus tackle. Yeah. And he's going to have to block, inevitably, Hassan Reddick, who is awesome. See, I think they're going to put Reddick on the opposite side. You think so? If, I, if I'm the Eagles, yeah, I put Reddick against Wiley. You know what? Wiley. Honestly, that's probably smart. And because I just let him run by him the or- entire time. Orlando Brown is lumbering and slow, so Reddick can bend that edge. But if he does get a hand on him, the snap is over. Yeah. So you avoid that problem completely by putting him on Wiley, who is just a lesser athlete yeah. in every it, way. He's just not as good. Like, you're just creating an easier matchup for Reddick. And Sweat will be fine with Brown. Like, it's not going to... Yeah, so, it, Red, so uh, that makes a lot of sense. 
How do the Chiefs try to mitigate that other than quick passes? Because we would hate to see that. I think it's going to be a lot of quick passes and Mahomes having to operate in chaos. Well, we know he loves that, but that is how turnovers happen. It is how turnovers happen. Should we talk about the back end? I think we should, because I think that's where it's really going to matter. Like, I I think we've established that the Eagles are going to be able to get some pressure. They're not going to be coming after him left and right like the Bucs did in their Super Bowl matchup, but they should be able to get pressure on him from multiple angles. Yeah, so... The Eagles, Does it matter, though? <laughs> exactly. The Eagles run cover four, which is, they run almost exclusively zone. Cover, cover four is simple. Uh, in layman's terms, you got the cornerbacks on the outside going deep. You got both of the safeties going deep. They split the field into fourths and play deep. And then you've got, in the Eagles' case, a linebacker and two defensive backs splitting up everything else into thirds. Um, if that sounds like sparse coverage, it's because it is. It's literally a bend-but-don't-break defense. So the short passes will be there, mm-hmm. which helps mitigate the offensive line issues i mean so that's that's right there that's your answer Mm -hmm. and the eagles linebackers or in you know they're probably only gonna have one tj edwards is it i just know it's edwards yeah it's tj it's tj edwards he's a 2019 pick out of i want to say washington state he's not very good he's fast Uh, wait tell me if you've heard this before the eagles have a fairly nimble linebacker who kind of sucks and is too small yep sounds sounds like a howie pick Yeah, so, I mean, the Eagles just don't value linebackers, so they spend their assets in other places. That's why they're able to have such a good, expensive defensive line and good, expensive corner, because they don't spend money on the middle. Yep, I support this. I do, too, unless I'm playing Travis Kelsey. It doesn't help. Yeah, that's why you got uh, CJ. That is why you have CJ Gardner-Johnson. The problem is they play him in the slot, so he's going to be tied up on Juju Smith-Schuster. Yeah, it's Super Bowl. You you move your matchups around. But then you got Juju Smith-Schuster on fucking, what, Avante Maddox? I don't want that. We, we used to be big Eagles fans for betting purposes, and we have been burnt by Avante Maddox so many goddamn times. He's gotten better. He's improved he's, a lot. He's been more sheltered. He has played against... Dude, I went through it this morning. Everybody's talking about, like, oh, the Eagles haven't played anybody. And I went through it, and I was like, they had to play somebody. They did not fucking play anybody. <laughs> what do you mean? They, they played the, the Cowboys twice. Yeah, and one of them was without Hurts, and frankly, they still should have won that game, but I don't think that Hurts can do what Minshew did in that game. And then the one of them, they were not impressive on either side of the ball. It was just bad football. And also, are the Cowboys good? <laughs> not really. That was my joke. Exactly. Um, like, the best team the Eagles have played is, like, Okay. Yeah, they're solid. They're they're very similar to the Vikings. They have the same quarterback. Um, to keep this from turning into a Cowboys podcast, Cowboys episode. I mean, I don't love Avante Maddox, but the Eagles do have depth in the secondary, where they have a bunch of guys that have had solid years. I yeah. mean, you have Slay, Bradbury, Maddox, CJGJ, CD Deuce. And those are four dudes that, you know, they're not stars. Well, and I think we have to address that misconception because people think that this Eagles secondary is... People really do like... Yo, fucking James Bradbury, is that his name? Yeah. Okay, I always get him confused with the science fiction author. James Brad- Ray Bradbury, who wrote like Fahrenheit 451, middle school, rep it. Yeah, Last time I read nice. a book. I was going to say, your English teacher listening from 30 miles north is thrilled right now. Actually, that was seventh grade. That was like 20 miles west. Sorry. Yeah, you fucker. <laughs> it's after five minutes. You're on the fucking shit list. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, James Bradbury is a literal all pro. He is a decent cornerback too. He had a productive year. <laughs> but yes. yeah, no, he's a he's a cornerback too. 
And Darius Slay, I loved him in Detroit. I stand him for a long time. And last year, he had a bit of a renaissance year. He's a mediocre cornerback one. Yeah. This is a solid secondary. It's not good. Yeah. It's fine. I think it's actually in their depth, which is why they match up well with the Chiefs here. I agree. Is because, I mean, they have four corners, I guess, if you want to count CJ as a Count Gardner as a, yeah. So you've got four corners that range from, like, good starter to playable option. Yeah, I think Avante Maddox is playable. He's a C-plus player. And so you have four corners that can cover, and, you know, we've talked about the Chiefs all year and that, you know, they don't have Tyree Kill anymore, but they've replaced it with a bunch of kind of, like, role players to make up Tyree Kill. And so you have Juju and you have MVS and... Darius Tony that can you know give you your all your different options of deep downfield across the middle and kind of your gadget plays and all that. But I think those get matched up really well by the Eagles corners. And the Eagles corners do get sheltered because they play that cover four. So you don't have old man Darius Slay and old man James Bradbury trying to cut with young receivers. Mm-hmm. They're just going deep. And this is like what the 49ers did with Richard Sherman. Honestly, it's what the Seahawks did with Richard Sherman and Brandon Browner. You get a cornerback who can move, you know, he can run decent in a straight line. He's long, but he's maybe not that quick. And that's kind of what Darius Slay has become. It's kind of what James Bradbury's been. They don't have to worry. Like, if Marquez Valdez-Scantling runs a double move, they're insulated. It doesn't matter. They don't have to double move because they're just going to keep going deep. That's their job. If he if he turns that double move into an actual curl on an option, fine. Catch the ball 10 yards. That's the bend but don't break defense. So it makes their jobs easier. And as you said, I, I don't think that the defensive backs actually match up that well like on a man-to-man basis. Like I don't think, for instance, that James Bradbury matches up well with Marquez Valdez-Scantling. And I think he matches that- up with Juju pretty well, though. That's actually pretty perfect. But Juju's going to be in the slot, and you can't get Bradbury in the slot. So that's kind of the that's the rub. And then Kadarius Tony is going to break James Bradbury's fucking ankles. But they're not going to play man, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> also, Kadarius Tony breaking someone else's bones would be a fun departure from... I was about to say, yeah. Kadarius Tony is more likely to break his own ankles in warm-ups. If he could just stay healthy. Uh, he, he baffles me. He's so strong and so fast. He's just... Always hurt. I swear to God, he, I don't know how he doesn't hurt himself in the shower. And he has players where, like, he trucks line, last game, he trucked a Bengals linebacker, like, ran through, and everybody's like, what the fuck? And then he hurts himself falling while trying to make a catch. Exactly. Just clumsy shit. And and then you you look at Kadarius Tony and you hear the way he talks and you're like, you're just a fucking chaotic thing. Like, everything about you is just, what the fuck's going on at any moment? And it's tough, because I love Kadarius Tony. You were very high on that I'm pick. still very high on him. He's going to be a stud if he ever can stay on the field, stop trying to quit football, and just maybe one time speak a language I understand. But he's a fucking chaotic individual. I'm really glad we're outside five minutes so I can break out my full lexicon. <laughs> uh, so, that being said, the cover four is nice because it insulates the defensive backs. But, dude, you've got three guys covering everything short of 20 yards. Yeah, and that's where the Kelsey factor comes in. And, and, and the gadget factor with Tony and Pacheco and McKinnon even. Yeah, and I mean, I think them not having McCall Hardman definitely hurts that gadget play because oh. he is their preferred sideline to sideline dude. Dude, we're forgetting Sky Moore. we got to mention Sky Moore because he's also good. Sky Moore is good. But you're right, McCall Hardman breaks this game open. Yeah, he and they, you can just tell how much they like McCall Hardman doing those jobs. He's fantastic. Yeah, and it, it really opens up that offense because... 
the defense truly has to cover all 55 yards from sideline to sideline. Absolutely. Um, and not having that will definitely hurt them, and I think that makes their offense more one-dimensional in that you're going more kind of north-south. Maybe less four-dimensional. Yeah. It is, <laughs> they're still very multiple. Y- yes. Um, but they should be able to just nickel and dime their way down the field and hit soft spots in the middle of the field. I think the the only hope for the Eagles is that, you know, it's the, the bend don't break. You you count on Mahomes making a mistake under pressure. Yep. On one of these fourteen plays it's gonna take to move down the field. Yep. You hope that he throws a pick or he takes a bad sack that then turns it into a second and twenty that they can't dig the themselves out of but you go okay we're not going to give you a 35 yard bomb to kelsey up the seam we're going to make you throw a bunch of accurate seven yard throws yeah and i think that that's probably the best way to play mahomes yeah the only issue is that's the worst way to play andy reed and it's the worst way to play andy reed off of a bye true um i i think that it's tough for Reed, but what else are you going to do as that defense? Exactly. So, like, what are you going to do? Come after him? Play it, aggressive? Exactly. No, you're fucked if you do that. And and you don't have the personnel for that. Yeah. Like, you don't have a line. I saw, okay, I was I was doing a little film study this morning, and I saw a play where they lined up like a 3-4 base of three defensive tackles and then four linebackers, but one of the linebackers was this fucking Blankenship strong safety, and then one of the linebackers was Hassan Reddick, and it turned into, wait for it, nickel cover four. Because it's the only thing they do is either nickel cover four, or dime cover four. <laughs> and like, Jonathan Gannon's a smart defensive coordinator, don't get me wrong, they do a lot of really good matching principles in their cover four, it's one of the most sophisticated cover four systems out there, probably second now that Fangio's back, but like... It's just cover four. And it's cover four and it's cover four and it's cover four. And if the Eagles manage to get edge pressure on Mahomes and make him live in the chaos, they've set themselves up for the best possible chance of success at stopping that because if he fucks around and throws it deep like he basically did his whole career, you've got four dudes back there in zone, eyes looking at Mahomes, ready to make a play. But this year, Mahomes has shown a variation on his chaos fuckitness, and now sometimes he does chicken with his head cut off shit and then throws to Kelsey eight yards downfield, and that is where the vulnerabilities lie. Mm -hmm. So... I think that our conclusion of Eagles defense versus Chiefs offense is as much as the Eagles defense is considered elite, it's probably not quite what it's considered to be, and it probably matches up okay, but not especially well against this Chiefs offense. Yeah. And Andy Reid will have plenty of time. When you play zones, it's less about the players and more about the schemes. Andy Reid's going to kill your zone. He's just going to kill your zones. Yeah. I mean, and I think that's it gets back to the central issue of can Mahomes methodically move down the field just play clean consistently make the right read go through one to two reads and go oh here's the open guy six yards downfield yep take it instead of looking downfield or trying to make something explosive happen can he do what chad henny's been doing or did once yeah and and so that's the issue for them i i think that they're going to be able to score points i don't think that they're going to be able to you know score at will i think that they're going to have to work for it but they should have no problem scoring into the 20 
20s. Easy. Even in a Super Bowl. Yeah. And, like, remember, Super Bowl scoring is massively depressed because for whatever reason, and it's probably just nerves, nobody scores in the first quarter in Super Bowls. It just yeah. doesn't happen. I, th- I think Tom Brady has one touchdown ever in the fourth quarter. In ten first quarters? Quarter? First, 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 first. He's not. Say. He's not Joe Burrow. <laughs> Come on. To say. Didn't he have more than that? And just the <laughs> Falcons comeback. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he had uh, like three. Uh, if you well, he should have had three. Yeah. Everybody remembers the James White touchdown run to end the game. Nobody remembers the extreme defensive pass interference on an accurately thrown ball to Martellus Bennett that got them to the one yard line. Would have easily been a touchdown. A mugging. But I digress. So far off topic. <laughs> Should we switch to the other side? Flip, flip the ball carriers? Let's go to the other side. Because this is where the game is going to come down to. Like, we, we can talk all we want about the Eagles' defensive line, the Chiefs' offensive line, slight advantage Eagles there, I think. We can talk all we want about the cornerbacks and Andy Reid, but really, we know the Chiefs are going to score points, and we know defense doesn't really matter that much. Mm-hmm. Scheme does. Players, eh. Because coaching and quarterbacking are so much more overwhelmingly important. This game is going to come down to largely, can the Eagles score? And do it early to get the game in a favorable situation. Yeah. Before we get going on, like, what we do, film type stuff, uh, my frenemy, Sharp Clark on Twitter, sometimes I like him, sometimes I hate him, sometimes I want to bash his face in with a wrench, sometimes I think he's a genius. I would actually never bash anybody's face in with a wrench. Don't put me in jail. (laughs) We need to bring back the uh, quotes that will get me fired in five years. A lot quicker than that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Sharp Clark did a really good study on Jalen Hurts. Just looking at, I mean, EPA per play is not a quarterback stat necessarily. It's mostly a team stat. But when it's the same team in the same season with the same players, it can be used as a quarterback stat to view how he does in different situations. And when the Eagles have less than a 50% chance of winning, Jalen Hurts's EPA per play is a below average EPA per play, which means that the Eagles have a below average offense when they are behind or in a negative situation. When they are ahead or have a neutral situation, they are like literally top two. So the difference between Jalen Hurts' per- or production, not performance, just production, the difference in his production when they are in a favorable game script, so when they're winning or things are going well for them, and when things are going bad for them, is the biggest in the NFL by a large margin. That means that if the Eagles can't score early and match the Chiefs, and they get down like 14, I don't want to say start counting your eggs, but you might want to have a ballpark estimate of how much room you need in the fridge. The question is going to be, can the Eagles keep up or even get ahead early? How do you think that if they had their druthers, they would do that? Uh, I mean, I think similar to the defensive side of the ball, they want to win through the line. They want to win by kind of controlling the pace and being able to just bully. Yeah, Um, limit possessions to increase variance. Exactly. Um, Their offense, like, it's more diverse than I would expect it to be, especially with how Jalen Hurts has been playing lately because he hasn't looked good since he's come back from injury. To the extent that he ever did. Right. But even <laughs> even in the system they've been running, because all year he's been successful and looked good by operating in the system, hitting open guys, going through a couple reads, and making a decision. He's yep. been clean, he's been decisive, and he's been pretty accurate on all of his like relatively open throws. But now he's not doing that. We've had two playoff games where he's looked kind of rough. Yeah. And that worries me because... 
I think the Eagles have the advantage in the playmakers. Like, realistically, they have advantages all over the field on the offensive side because I think Devonta Smith and A.J. Brown are both better than anybody that the Chiefs can put up to guard them. I think Goddard's very good. Goddard's great. Goddard's, Goddard needs more credit. Yeah, and I think he, he's getting it after having this year where he was, you know, like the option. There wasn't any, like, battling with Ertz anymore like he had in previous seasons. Yeah, and he was um, healthy. Yeah, I mean, like, he, he missed a, what, like a month. But he's been he's been good every week that he's been in pretty much. Yeah. So they have the playmakers that he, they should have people that are open. We know Sirianni can scheme an offense open. He's yep. done an incredible job with this offense last two years. Don't forget to give Steichen some credit too. Right. But I don't know how I feel about Jalen Hurts consistently making plays. Yeah. I think he's going to have to do a lot of the same thing that Mahomes has to do. And that's more of because the system that the Eagles run, where it's more, you know, we're going to spread the defense out. We're going to try and just create open, easy shots for us. Yep. Um, and he has to be accurate and clean throughout, which he's yep. been all year, but not so much in the playoffs. And that's, he's the one, he's the entire X factor. He's going to decide this game. Yeah. Like, if he can complete the open passes, they're going to be able to score because they have the talent advantage. If if he is what the general zeitgeist believes that he is, this game won't be very close. The Eagles will win in a landslide. Yes. I don't think any, well, I'm not going to make any assumptions, but I think we can agree that Jalen Hurts is not close to a top 10 quarterback. He could be middle of the pack. I think is an opti- I think optimistically you'd put his high watermark at like 15-16. I think if if he shows in this Super Bowl that he can handle, you know, the the chaos of a high pressure game against a good opponent with an offense that he has to keep up with, I could put him around 10. Okay. But do you do you take Okay. If I put him in the same bucket as Dak, would you say that that's a fair bucket? As of right now, yes. Okay. I don't think he makes Dak's bucket. But I understand. I have him at, I think, 22 amongst starting quarterbacks. Yep, exactly 22. And the reason for that is partially because he isn't asked to do a lot in some games. Right. But when he is asked to do a lot, it looks bad. Even last week, he wasn't asked to do very much against San Francisco. And he was atrocious. Yeah. Now, San Francisco's defense is much better than the Chiefs' defense. So I looked into it because I was looking for defenses of comparable caliber to the Chiefs that the Eagles have played. Well, these are the three that I came up with, and you're going to be like a little bit taken aback by the three that I came up with. All right. Washington. Okay. Who has no secondary at all and didn't have uh, Chase Young. Mm -mm. So not a good defense at all. And like kind of the reason they didn't make the playoffs. Uh, Jacksonville, week four in the rain. Kind of hard to care about that game because it was in a monsoon yeah, I was about to say, and Jacksonville's defense has not acquitted what itself value well. That gives us, yeah. And then Dallas week six because he didn't play him the second time. Week six, keep in mind that I don't think they had uh, Tank Lawrence, which is half of their defensive line. <laughs> There's no Dak either, I believe. Uh, there was no Dak. Well, here are, I've graded almost all these games. You know, I didn't grade week three against Washington. Assume he did great. Uh, week four against Jacksonville in the rain, D. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was rain game. Rain game. Rain game. Rain game. And, it, you know, I have that noted. It's a rain game. Even given a rain game, not good. Uh, week six against Dallas. Shorthanded. Uh, D. Uh, below league average accuracy rate. Uh, threw a pickable. 
no positive plays. And how'd that game turn out? The Eagles did win 26-21 to against Cooper Rush. Mm-hmm. Not great. Not great, but, but they good won enough. and he was bad. And then uh, week 10 against Washington, I did grade two pickables, D minus. And the result? They lost <laughs> to Washington with Taylor Heineke. <laughs> And, and we, I mean, that was a Monday Night Football game. That game wasn't really, like, it was competitive because Washington kept on trying to give the game away. Washington had that game. Like, up until the very end, I was like, should I be betting on the Eagles? Because they're great value. But I was like, I fucking can't. Yeah, I remember. Because that was in that stretch where we were like, okay, the Eagles have to lose a game. That's where we started the falling star conversation. Yeah. Um... And, and the week prior, week nine, they had almost... Oh, sorry. Week 10 was Sunday Night Football. Week nine was Monday Night Football. And they almost blew it against the Texans. I do remember that because they had that stretch where they were just barely pulling out games. So I did some thinking and I realized that what do Washington and Houston and to a lesser extent Jacksonville have in common on defense? They run cover two. Remember when like all anybody would talk about is how too high was just killing the league? Yes. And then nobody does it anymore or talks about it anymore? Uh, well, Steve Spagnuolo with the Chiefs is somebody I really appreciate and respect because... He doesn't do funky shit. Like, he's not a blitz dude. He's not Dr. Heat. He's not disguising stuff a ton. But what it makes him special is that the Chiefs don't have a base defense. I mean, they run nickel, but they run a lot of cover two and a lot of cover three. And they mix it in depending on schemes and matchups, which I think is the proper way to use it. But it's mostly cover two and cover three. Well, Jacksonville and Washington run cover two. Houston runs Tampa two cover two. Dallas runs cover three. San Francisco runs cover three. That's where they're going to be playing. It's not going to be that cover four Ed Donatel Minnesota bullshit that's just soft all over. And that's when Hertz is at his best. Yeah, I mean, the, the more space you give him because then you minimize his processing and his accuracy issues. Well, so I, there are two games this year where I gave Jalen Hurts an A+. Week two Minnesota in that blowout and week 14 against the Giants. Yeah. Jalen Hurts didn't have to do much because he simply wasn't asked to because it was a blowout. But he also looked pretty good against the Giants in the playoffs. What do these teams have in common? They run cover four. That's not the Chiefs' MO. So condense the field on him. Take away the short shit with cover two, right? Because cover two means you got two safeties deep and then five defenders in that middle area between five and ten yards. Right. Which makes the windows smaller. Your RPOs don't work as well because there's just more clutter. Yeah. I mean, you get it's easier to get burned deep. You get burnt deep a little bit more. And so the three, like, traditional ways to beat cover two are seam shots up the middle between the safeties. Jalen Hurts doesn't have the arm to do that. It takes a lot of zip. He's, he's had a few of those this year. And he's got Goddard. He does have Goddard, and that helps. But I don't, I don't think he's going to be able to throw 25 yards down the field with zip, especially against a defensive line that's going to make life not tough because this offensive line is too good. Yeah, It's almost not worth talking about. The Eagles have the best offensive line in the NFL. You could argue it's second best. I wouldn't. Yeah, it's, it's the best. It's incredible, and it's big. Yes. And the Chiefs' defensive line is good, but it's certainly not big. So they've even got a stylistic matchup. But regardless, Frank Clark is still Frank... Er, sorry. I meant to start with Chris Jones. Chris Jones is still Chris Jones. And Frank Clark in the playoffs is not Frank Clark. He's something desirable to have on your team. He's he's why people paid Frank Clark $20 million a year. Exactly. Off of domestic violence and gun charges. I don't know it's not the his, timeline, but... It's not his fault. She was probably pregnant or something. For, for those of you who don't know, Frank Clark in college was arrested at a hotel outside of Cedar Point. And uh, when the cops showed up and were like, what the heck... This woman and all of her family are in the hotel room saying, you beat her up. He's like, no, 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 she's tripping. I think she's pregnant or something. What an alibi. So uh, my, uh, my legal studies have taught me that 
that's not an excuse. <laughs> <laughs> if anything, it's an aggravation. But <laughs> so Frank Clark is usually a C plus B minus player in the playoffs for whatever reason, probably because he just cares more. He's like a B to B plus player. And you add that to Chris Jones, all of a sudden it is something. It's not formidable, it's not great, but it's something and it's more than Jalen Hurts has had to face in a lot of these games. Like it's more than the Giants had. Not more than Dallas has had. Well, well, the one game he did play. The one game he played against Dallas, they didn't, didn't move the ball so well. Yeah. He tried to throw a pick, and he took a bad sack. But anyway, Jalen Hurts processes well, but slowly. Mm-hmm. He needs a lot of time, but he will get through all of his reads and make the right decision. It just takes time. Right. When we're talking about quarterbacks who we are who don't produce very well, we call that being a bad processor. When you talk about a quarterback with an amazing offensive line, a great cushy cast, and simple, uh, you know, really low degree of difficulty tasks, then you talk about that as a thorough processor. He won't have as much time to be thorough because this is an above average defensive line and things will be murky because of cover two and cover three taking away more of the short throws than he's used to. The three places that you attack cover two are the deep shots to this tight end up the middle Mm -hmm. and then pot shots where the cornerbacks connect with the safeties on the sidelines. So like 20 yards downfield streaks. You can say what you want about seams. There is not a chance in hell Jalen Hurts ever makes a pot shot because that is a tough, tough arm talent throw. And Jalen Hurts is what a B minus velocity quarterback. Yeah, I mean to to hit those honey hole shots, you gotta you gotta have some zip to him. That t- that's an A arm talent throw, and he is a B to B minus. I don't know. I feel like we've seen him make throws like that to A.J. Brown this year, though. They're floaters. Yeah. And they take a ball win. But they can happen. So my thing there is that all season long, this hasn't been a problem because A.J. Brown, Goddard, and Devontae Smith are all ball winners. But who have they played that plays cover two or cover three that doesn't totally suck? Uh, nobody. But like, like, the, the, we're talking about Arizona? The, we're talking about Arizona? I mean, the Chiefs' corners. I love Algerius Sneed. Don't you dare slander him. That I said, mean, Jalen Watson, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, they, where we were talking about the, the Eagles have just depth there. Yeah. The Chiefs do not, and I think that's an issue. Well, honestly, I think the Chiefs have awesome depth except for cornerback, too, because I love Trent McDuffie. He's great. I like McDuffie. But he plays in the slot most of the time. Yeah, but and so then you have A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, and you have Algeria Sneed, who's big body. I, I think he matches up really well, as well as anybody can on A.J. Brown, but A.J. Brown is still, last time I checked, A.J. Brown. Yeah, he's Which better. is, he's an elite top five, top three receiver? He's he's very, it's, it's tough. I feel like we have so many good receivers at this point that actually like ranking them yeah. in the three and five is damn near impossible, but he's elite. Yeah, dude, just imagine what he would do with a quarterback who would throw downfield with more. No, like seriously, imagine a quarterback who could hit him 50 yards downfield rather than just 20 or 30. It, it would be cool because he's, he's great at that shit. Um, I know. And that's why I think that the Eagles, even though I don't think Jalen Hurts is good, I think he's, at best, he's a top-flight game manager type. But that might be all that they need because the line is suffocating. They absolutely bully teams. They give him a ton of time. They create massive holes for running. And that is a thing that we have to talk about. I was going to say. Jalen Hurts, like, you know, he's not Lamar-level runner, but he's a good runner. He's a good runner. He's a power runner more than anything. Yeah, and with that line and that offensive scheme. He is so similar to Dak Prescott. Like, honestly, power runner, stocky, chode-like man. And if you're a chode at six foot two, six foot three, you're a big dude. Powerful runner, passable arm talent, not good. And thorough processors, but not quick. 
they make the right decisions. It just takes them a while. And they got great offensive lines like Young Dak did. Yeah. And it doesn't matter as much. I was going to say, I, I definitely see the comparisons between a younger Dak yeah, like, this is like Hurts. This is like, what, 2015 Cowboys versus Chiefs. It's really very similar. Um, the 2015 Cowboys were never this good. I think they were 13-3. and yeah, they, they weren't that good, though. Compared yeah. to the rest of the league, but it's a bad year for football, <laughs> my man. Um, fair, but I mean, even then, like, I don't think that team was as talented as this Eagles. We're team trying is, so hard to make this a Cowboys podcast, and we're not even Cowboys fans. I know we don't. This like, is why they I put mean, them on Monday Night Football all I the guess, time. I guess well, we're the problem. It, well, no, you know what? We're talking about them because they put them on Monday <laughs> Night Football all the time. It's their fault. Um, so, I mean, I I think we've we've gone back and forth about this a lot. I think we agree that it comes down to can Jalen Hurts play like people have come to expect from him or is he going to play like you've come to expect from him well, which and, one of us has watched all the films <laughs> right <laughs> but but that's that's the argument right yeah is because the chiefs are going to get their points yep they're not going to i don't expect this at least they're not going to score 40 no but they're going to be able to put up a healthy amount of points that are going to put the pressure on the eagles that they're going to have to score four touchdowns I was going to say, I think that the Chiefs score 28. Yeah. So it's a question of can you get more than that and, you know, takeaways and everything agnostic. I think that the special teams averages out. I think they're both good special teams units. Yeah, and those ones are so hard to predict. Yeah, like, like, that's, that's just garbage stuff. You yeah, kick it, return touchdown or something silly. Yeah, that's totally unsustainable. Like, it's one thing if you've got, like, the Ravens versus the Packers. And you're like, all right, the Packers make mistakes here all the fucking time. The Ravens are, like, notoriously buttoned up with this shit. Maybe throw a point that way. But these are both normal teams. <laughs> like they're not part. Hey man, the special teams coordinator for the Chiefs was getting head coach interviews like five years ago. I know because he was the Bears' uh, special teams coordinator my entire life. Dave too. And everybody was like, "Oh, dude, he's gonna get a head coaching job. The Bears should interview him now that they fired Lovey." And it's like, no, no, you actually—it's not that hard to simply have Devin Hester. Like it's really good when you have Devin Hester or Robbie Gould. Like these are players who are good. Right. And your job is to coach only those two players. Yeah, it's that's where as a coach you walk up and go, Hey, hey. Uh, Devin, keep keep being way faster than everybody. <laughs> right? Or like, hey, alright, this time I want you to catch the ball and just don't get touched. Yeah. Just <laughs> literally run past everybody on the other team. Yeah, so, like, these are fine special teams units. We don't need to talk about it. These are, well, actually, okay, I don't like saying this because it feels like sacrilege, but there could be a slight, like, it's a pretty big edge, but it would manifest itself in a slight edge on the game scale. Nick Sirianni, as far as game theory and fourth down stuff goes, is a king. Yes. Mostly because he doesn't do it. He has math people who sit in a booth do it. and he, And he obeys. Whereas Andy Reid is a Mormon. <laughs> I mean a moron. I mean a Mormon. He's both. He guts it sometimes. Sometimes it's not such a good gut. <laughs> like maybe last week, or, you know, last game, when he punted from... Oh my god. They had a 53-yard field goal to win the game, and they punted instead. Now luckily Joe Burrow sucks at football. But if Joe Burrow had, I don't know, ever scored a touchdown in the fourth quarter of any playoff game, they could have been in trouble. Yeah, actually this is a really good point to bring up in that Sirianni is... 
light years better. You're going to get zero coaching turnovers from Sirianni. He's not going to fuck up and hand the ball over one time. Like, they might fail on a fourth down. Although they probably won't. But if they do, it'll be the right decision. Yeah. Andy Reid will punt once or twice where he shouldn't. He'll take a timeout. Andy uh, Reid will lose a... a he, will, he will get a field goal at the end of the first half instead of a touchdown because he's used his timeouts to tie his shoe. Bad review somewhere. That's going to account for, like, four to seven points in this game. Yeah. So it's a small edge. It's like a... Let's call it a three-point edge, but it is an edge. So we got even special teams, three-point edge for strategy to the Eagles. And then when Mahomes is the quarterback, I think you got a three-point edge for the Chiefs. And when Hurts is the quarterback, what do you have? I don't know. And that's the question. I think Hurts is going to be a problem. I think he's going to turn the ball over. I think that he is going to fail to engineer long drives. I don't think it'll be as suffocating as what we saw San Francisco put on him. Because, like, let's... Let's not forget, San Francisco, without a quarterback... Without a quarterback. ...held the Eagles to seven points in the first half? Or was it 14? I don't remember, but... You know what? It was 14 because of a defensive touchdown. Yeah. They held the Eagles' offense to seven points. Without a quarterback! And we know that when a defense has to play constantly, they get tired. Yeah. And that's how you have a shitty second half and let up a lot of points. But Jalen Hurts looked terrible. It wasn't even necessarily that the 49ers were covering so well or getting so much pressure. It was that he was confused by cover three, and he didn't know what to do. The Chiefs run cover three. They also run cover two, which is even messier. If Jalen Hurts is trying to, you know, first of all, if he's a little off his game because everybody is in Super Bowls, just like that, you've got opportunities. Mm -hmm. Second of all, it's going to be murky for him, and he's going to see a lot of things he doesn't see a lot because he typically plays bad fucking teams like Houston, Pittsburgh without either of their edge rushers, Dallas without half their defensive line, Arizona, Jacksonville early in the season, Minnesota, Green Bay with nobody left, Tennessee with nobody left, the Giants, the Bears. These are the teams he's played. That's a who's who of who is it easy to fucking dunk on. What who, what defenses are good this year? But like which the defenses Giants, are better than all like of those. The Giants, we could talk a lot of shit about, but like they were a playoff team that beat a lot of teams this year. They were a ball in, control team. Well, yeah, but that's like you're you're talking trash about them. This defense is god awful. When actually their defense was all right. Like who are some defenses that are a similar caliber to you, or in regards to the Chiefs? Like who's a similar kind of D? I would say that the Bengals are pretty close. I think the Bengals are a better defense. I think they're Chiefs. a little better, but I don't think they're like a lot better. I think they're better. I think they. they I, I think the Bills are actually very similar to the Chiefs in terms of defense, and the Bills ganged up on a bunch of really weak teams. But it's simple. It's zone defenses. It's, yeah, I could see that argument. I don't know. I don't think either defense is very good, though. I think they're slightly above average. And I think that Jalen Hurts has played maybe one above average defense this year in the 49ers. And they're an extreme, obviously. They're top three. Yeah. But, like, they're better than the Jags. They're better than the Redskins. See, I think all these defenses are pretty damn similar. Like, I don't think the Chiefs or the Bills have very good defenses. I think they're... Yeah, I think so, too. But, like, I I think the the Washington defenses... I mean, there were a chunk of the year where they sucked, but I think for the most part, they were fine. What if I told you that Jalen Hurts threw four pickables against the Chicago Bears week 15 after they traded him? (laughs) Well, yeah, but that doesn't really matter about the Bears. That's a Jalen Hurts thing. That's what I'm saying. Um, Yeah, but my argument is that he's struggled in these games and it doesn't fucking matter. (laughs) <laughs> like we can we can but, say okay. he struggled but they still put up all these points and well they don't put up that many points if you look at it their offense mostly against 
the not the shittiest teams is scoring in the 20s. I mean... It's not... I mean, 20s is fine. But they're not going to hang with the Chiefs. The Chiefs, they're still a really good offense. And the Eagles were... They bounced around. They're like, even if we just go through games... We'll take out the last week of the year because yeah, nobody you can take it. out the last three weeks because it was Minshew. Okay, so if we take out the last three weeks, there's 25, 48, 35, 40, 17, 21, 29, 35, 26, 20, 29, 24, 24, 38. So how many were under or 20 or below? I think they got held under 20 like twice. It's, yeah. But how many were above 28? And of those, which ones weren't against like the Bears or the Texans or... All right. Above 28, you said? Yeah. Name the team who they scored more than 28 on. Lions. Adieu. Jags. Steelers. Yeah. Without any of their good players. Texans. Packers. Injured to hell. Titans. Injured to hell. Giants. Not very good. So the Giants is the best defense that they've scored on. I mean, that's still seven games out of, because we took out the last three, which there was another over 28 in the last three. Yeah, they, Gardner um, Minshew balled out against the Cubs. He did. Um, well, sort of. He, he also, he had toughy. There were some gaffes, um, but... So they, they played out of 14 games, over half of them, they scored over 28. Against bad teams, though. Yeah, I mean, the the Titans, that was before the Titans, like, truly blew it no, up. No, in too. Week 13, they had no Harold Landry and no Jeffrey Simmons. They had Tannehill, but on defense, they were down to, like, two or three starters. They still have a lot of their guys. Jeffrey Simmons played that game. I think he got hurt in that game, oh. but he played. Um... But, I mean, they still had Kevin Byer. They still had all their corners and their whole uh, secondary. I mean, I I just think it's unfair to say that these are all bad defenses and the only time that they've put up points is against shitty teams that run shitty schemes that they... Like, I agree that they've played weak teams this year and overall they've been inflated, but I think that's the, the way it is for pretty much everyone this year. Yeah, I mean, it's a bad year. Um, And so... Like, yeah, the Eagles have played a lot of not great defenses, but the Chiefs aren't a great defense. The Chiefs are an okay defense. Yeah. Um, well, and that's kind of the problem. Because, like, and that's what I'm getting at. is like, we know they the Eagles can't move the ball against a good defense. This is yeah. not that. Right. We know that they can move the ball pretty well against a very bad defense. But this is not that. And that's why, that, literally, that's the handicap. Can Jalen Hurts operate efficiently and quickly, hitting shorter passes against this Chiefs defense without turning the ball over? And can they hit three deep shots? I don't think they can. Just schematically, I don't think three deep shots will happen. You don't think they will hit three deep shots? They might hit one. Three elite throws in one game? That's... He's done that once. But see, they don't have to be elite throws. You know what I mean. You know what I mean. Well, yeah, but like... I mean, how many times have we seen from Jalen Hurts or the king of it and Joe Burrow of using superior weapons, chucking the ball up into the air, and letting your superior weapons go do the work for you? I mean, the Eagles have done that a ton. Like, how many times have you seen A.J. Brown come down with jump balls for 45-yard gains? I got a whole folder full of them. Exactly. Like, that's been their scheme this year, and the Chiefs are... I think they're going to get beat up by that like everybody has. Now, like, getting into picking a side. Yeah. Because we've talked for uh, quite some time about every angle of this game. Before we cut out the silences, we're at almost an hour. Yeah. Um, and so we've done quite a dive on this, and I feel like we're we're kind of at the point where it's just pick. Yeah, no, it's we, put up or shut up time. we got to pick. I, I'm going to be honest. I want to pick the Eagles. 
but I think the Chiefs is the safer bet because I think it's more likely that the Chiefs play like what we've seen from them, which is they're going to be able to put up points. They're not going to be able to score at will, but they're going to be able to put up pretty significant points. Andy Reid's going to scheme them up well. They're going to score like we've talked about, probably around 30, maybe a little bit under. Yep. And then the Eagles, who are a team that, you know, like a handful of these guys are still on the team for when they won the last time. Dude, I think it's only like three or four. I would say, like, I mean, I know it's <laughs> it's, it's you know, O linemen. It's it's a bunch of line guys. I mean, Brandon Graham was there. Um, what's his name? Uh, the guy that caused the fumble in the, in the Super Bowl. Derek Barnett. Barnett's there. He might even get a snap. <laughs> and Kelsey's there. Lane Johnson's there. Um, Boston Scott. Was Vontae Maddox was he on the team then? Yeah, I feel like he was. Um, so like they have guys that were on the team, but the Chiefs are a much more playoff weathered team. That's yeah. going to know what to expect. Yep, they're gonna they're not going to be as affected by the big game. Like they've been in the Super Bowl how many times in the last four years? Three out of four. Yeah. Um. So this is less of a shock for them. So then it goes the other side of now Jalen Hurts in a Super Bowl. You know he's still a young player. He's still fresh. He has he, he has, has glaring weaknesses, and he has to play a clean game. And so I just feel like there is more confidence in the Chiefs playing generally what we expect from them than there is for the Eagles to play like they have against kind of bad teams in favorable matchups all season long. Like I I see an avenue, and I'll be really upset with myself if this happens, where Jalen Hurts just throws like a consistent game. You know, he completes 63% of his passes, couple deep balls, runs a little bit, just kind of game manages his way through it. But the Eagles just suffocate with their lines and they bully and Sirianni wins some of the, the schematic stuff that we talked about. And it ends up being like just a really smooth win for the Eagles. Yeah. Because they control the clock, they control the lines of scrimmage, and they have the talent advantages. It's literally, this comes down to what matters, analytics and strategy and roster or quarterback and head coach play calling. It's literally, it's the best play caller and one of the best quarterbacks versus a good play caller and a average at very best quarterback, but the average at very best quarterback has a great team around him. Yeah. This game will tell us what matters. Yeah. Um, and that's where, like, I feel like the, the league this year has told us that the team as a whole matters more. Yep. So that's why I feel like it ends up being the Eagles and like in my like in my gut it says just take the Eagles. They they've been more dominant the entire year. They have a better roster. They've got they're just deep. They they've so got deep. talent everywhere and they've been able to dominate because they can always find matchup advantages and they have a good coaching staff to take advantage of that. But then I start thinking about it, and it's and you're taking a C plus quarterback against a A minus quarterback, and you're taking a young coach versus his mentor, the greatest coach of all time. Exactly, and again, like the <laughs> Chiefs have been. This is you know they keep going to the fucking Super Bowl. They've won a couple of them. Like they have all this experience, whereas the Eagles are you know they've played in playoff games, but they haven't been going to the big game. They've had a, they got. 
We're on YouTube now, so I'm going to censor myself. Things happened to them that they did not want to happen nor consent to against the Buccaneers. They looked out of place. They looked like they were in the wrong league. Uh, so I don't even know if that's experience. And then this year, have they played a playoff game? Because they didn't... They played no quarterback. They played the COVID Broncos with Kendall Hinton at quarterback in the championship game. They got two throws out of Brock Purdy and five out of Josh Johnson. Yeah, I mean, it, it's <laughs> it's still the build-up to it that I think is the biggest part. Yeah, getting is, comfortable with it. Yeah, but it, no, and I think there's something to that. And so that's where once once we start diving in, I think I end up going Chiefs, especially because they're the dog. What? I think that this is the best way to synthesize it. You've done the grading scale and the charts that I do. You understand how it works. You've been in the room with me when I've graded several games. Going off of my general charting, what letter grade do you think Jalen Hurts needs to do to win this game? You know, assuming no bullshit. For your charting, yep. the way you grade him, probably like a C. You think a C wins? Yeah. I mean, you look at how many of his games you've graded where he ends up with Ds and they still win. Most of his games are some form of a D. Yeah. And so I think just because the way he plays doesn't get valued in your grading system, where it's a lot of checkdowns and runs, and we've seen that, you know, that doesn't get highly valued in your grading system. So if he can put up to a C, that means he's probably had a couple nice deep throws. And I think if they can have a couple nice deep throws and they don't let the Chiefs just sit within 15 yards of the line of scrimmage, that's, that's real good for them. I mean... In games where he has at least one elite throw, he very rarely puts up under a C. So, I mean, again, it comes back down to our X-Factor. Can he get deep? Yeah. Um, I think that he would need a B-minus to win this game, just because I think Hertz is gun- or, uh, Mahomes is going to put up an A. Interesting. Why are you so sure that Mahomes is going to put up an A? Because he's been, like, the most hot and cold guy in the playoffs, like, I, yeah. o- over the last few years. I was going to say, for, just this season. for a couple years, he's pretty, been pretty hot and cold. Like, even within a game. I mean, what, what was it last an AFC championship where he was like perfect the first half and then he was the worst quarterback ever for the second half in overtime. Yeah. So it basically comes down to I have to believe that the AFC championship against the Bengals last year in 2022 was just bullshit. Like I, I can't believe that he ever will implode like that again, much less in such an important game. But this year he's been a lot more consistent than he was last year. I've only graded 11 of his games this year. Only. I've only sat down and watched 401 snaps. Get your shit together, man. Right? Really? But in those games, he has had under a C-plus in two games. One was week two against the Chargers because he threw four pickables. Not great. Not great. And then one was the divisional round against Jacksonville because he had one leg. And he just didn't do very much. Other than that, it's been a lot of A's, A-pluses, and B-pluses. It's mostly A's and A-pluses. I mean, he's back to being Patrick Mahomes. He's got five great games in the 11 he's played. So on the year, he's been better than he was last year. He's been more like he was in their other Super Bowl year. Additionally, I've got Andy Reid with two weeks to prepare. And unlike the Buccaneers game, where the Buccaneers had a suffocating defense in terms of great personnel and say what you will about Todd Bowles, he's very creative as a defensive coordinator. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Just please, God, don't make him a head coach. Yeah, and like what he does as a defensive coordinator doesn't beat every offense. There are certain offenses that he just can't fucking handle at all. Like he would never be able to handle this version of the Eagles offense. It would just torch him with short passes. But the Chiefs that year with a quote-unquote hurt Patrick Mahomes and a banged-up offensive line Mm -hmm. couldn't handle the exotic blitzes. They couldn't pick him up. And they weren't prepared to throw short. And the Buccaneers got out to an early lead because the offense was so efficient. Tom Brady was so assassin-like early that things just got away from him too quick. And by the time they looked up, they had punted twice and the game was out of hand and they had to sling it deep. And you can't do that against Todd Bowles, especially with a banged-up offensive line. So shit just got away from him. But this is a very, again, not simple, but predictable kind of defense. Every time Patrick Mahomes lines up, when he checks at the line, he's going to know exactly what kind of defense he's running against. And Andy Reid will have at least one really good play to run against it. So with two weeks to prepare, Andy Reid off the bye is unstoppable. He's been excellent in Super Bowls, generally, with Mm -hmm. the one exception of the Tampa Bay game, in which shit just got out of hand. But even in his Super Bowl with the uh, the Eagles when they lost to the Patriots, they were very well schemed. They just got outplayed at quarterback. That's all that happened. So, and Terrell Owens had a broken leg. Hurts your ability to get open. Yes. <laughs> you play it on a broken fucking leg and they won't put him in the Hall of Fame. I know. They, they just hate that man. Same with, same with Ocho Psycho. Yeah, but Terrell Owens was like a top five receiver ever when he retired. Ocho Single was like real good. We're not making this a 49ers podcast now, because that's where Terrell Owens really exists. But interesting. Okay. after that, he got weird. When wasn't he weird? When he had Jeff Garcia. <laughs> <laughs> the key to keeping Terrell Owens in check. Yeah, he's Jeff Old Man Garcia. <laughs> in San Francisco. Yeah, everybody knows people in San Francisco get more sane. Hey, anyone named Garcia in San Francisco are right by my book. Got a lot of friends in San Francisco. I know, I know one San Franciscan Garcia, and he's he's been dead for quite some time. <laughs> Jerry? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that's a Grateful Dead joke for all you people that are under the age of sixty. So. Um, you got Andy Reid with a lot of time to game plan for something that I feel is very exploitable. All Patrick Mahomes needs to do is execute within that framework. Mm -hmm. You've got a lot of wide receivers, so no, you don't have the one kill shot. Like, hey, Tyreek, just go fucking run on him. Just make him embarrassed. But instead, you have a lot of chess pieces, and you have a chess master operating those chess pieces. And you've got Patrick Mahomes, who's not quite a chess master, but he's certainly good at chess, Mm -hmm. and he's operating the chess. So it's so schematically attractive. Patrick Mahomes is the much better quarterback, and I think that that Philly secondary is massively overrated. I think that it's the worst secondary in the game. I don't like the safeties. Blankenship, first of all, if you're a white guy named Blankenship, should you be playing safety? I don't know. You could kick some field goals, maybe not even. I was about to say, I don't even know if you're allowed to do that. But, like, Blankenship plays the way he looks. He's a safe, relatively smart, not good player. C.J. Gardner-Johnson's good, but he's mostly good at blitzing and cleaning up tackles. He's not as good in coverage. And then, who's their free safety? Um, I'm looking at it. Yeah, it's fucking Epps, right? Mike? Nope. Marcus? Marcus, right? I think so. You fucking with me? You know I'm bad with names now. <laughs> I know. Well, Mike is the uh, is the comedian. Um, yeah, I knew I th- that. I think Marcus is... No, it's Marcus Epps, and like... That's fine-ish, but certainly a hole to exploit and certainly not somebody you want going up against, I don't know, like the greatest tight end in the history of football. Like you, the, can, you can splice your hairs, but fuck, man. The, the Kelsey X factor is going to be huge. I oh, mean, bet the over on the catches if it's not too late. 
if you're reading this, it's already too late. But fuck, man, he's gonna get ten catches. And I was gonna say the number's probably like twelve. So I might fucking bet it. He had ten in the first half against Jacksonville, and it's not gonna change. But yeah, and so then it just comes down to okay. This is more of a vibe, but I think it's one you'll share. We like Darius Slay. We do. Darius Slay's good. The Bird Watcher, shot, we haven't shouted out the Bird Watcher yet. He needs his due. Mm-hmm. The Bird Watcher loves Darius Slay. But even the Bird Watcher will admit Darius Slay this year is taking a little, a little step, us maybe even a half step. We'll do a half step. Backwards. Mm-hmm. And that half step backwards has mostly come in trying to guard people deep. He has been cooked in some really key scenarios a good handful of times that we can remember offhand. And I know Marquez Valdez-Scantling isn't elite, but he is still 6'4 and still runs a 4'3 flat. And that just smells like Darius Slay getting caught flat-footed and an 80-yard touchdown. And I don't trust Rodrigo's cousin Blankenship to go over the top and help him. And I don't trust Marcus Epps to catch him. And on the other end, yeah, Bradbury's fine, but I have to believe that Kadarius Toney or Marquez Valdez-Scantling with a little bit of schematic help can cook his ass like the old chicken he is. So, I just, I see the Chiefs getting 14 points off of Andy Reid. I see the Chiefs getting 14 points off of Mahomes doing Mahomes things. Assuming no bullshit, no turnovers, I think 28's the floor. I don't see anybody, dude, it's a talented defense, yes? I don't see any way that this Eagles defense playing the prevent fucking style that they do stops the Chiefs on a two-minute drive. I think they could get after him. That's the only way. That's their only hope. That's their only way. And, you know, Andy Reid might not have any timeouts left on that two-minute drive, but we've seen him do shit in 13 seconds. I just can't bet against the Chiefs. I know that this season has taught us that coaching matters more than we thought, but I still have the better coach. And I know that this season has taught us that cast matters more than we thought, but those rules changed because the quarterbacking changed. But Patrick Mahomes is from the old guard. He's of that really good quarterbacking ilk. He is, but... Does it matter any more? I don't think that the how game... How many good quarterbacks I don't, were phased out this year? How many good quarterbacks have a good head coach? <laughs> that's, that's, a strong, that's a strong point. He might be the only one left. Josh Allen pending. Mm-hmm. Think on that. I mean, it's it's Andy fucking Reed with two weeks to prepare. You could you could have some fun with the Joe Burrow argument, but um, I couldn't. <laughs> no, I mean I think there are there are very limited. Well, one, we don't have many good quarterbacks. Um, Correct, which is part of why picking nits between a two point five quarterback and a two point three quarterback isn't very helpful. Mm-hmm. Because everybody's so clustered to the middle, but Mahomes is separated from that middle, regardless yeah. of how high. Like I'm low on Patrick Mahomes relative to most people, and he is clearly separated from that middle. Yeah. He's, he's a very good quarterback. So I feel like we've we've kind of come down to KC Moneyline. Or Patrick Mahomes MVP. <laughs> or Patrick Mahomes MVP. <laughs> that is... Um, as far as props go, it, this is just a tried and true try to, like a system play almost. Patrick Mahomes over 19 rushing yards. I think he's fully healthy. And that's something that really hasn't been talked about, but we're not, well, we're doctors of a different sort. I don't think that... He'll be fine. Dude, he had a high ankle sprain four weeks ago. The high ankle sprain return time is four weeks, and he looked fine two weeks ago. Yeah. He'll be fine. Yeah, I think with the any any issues he had, he got cleaned up over the two weeks and not doing anything. Yeah, no, he's, he's fine. Relaxing. He's going to be healthy. I think he gets 20 rushing yards pretty easy. Against the 49ers, he got like 40 rushing yards. Buccaneers game, throw it out. The game ended in the first quarter. Um, I think Jalen Hurts will probably hit his over on rushing yards. Last I checked, it was about 35. I think that's a great number. I'd play it all the way up to like 45. Um, anytime touchdown, Travis Kelsey, are you kidding me? 
if you're feeling real fucking funky, go after Travis Kelsey two touchdowns because we mentioned, I mean, there's just nothing in the middle of this defense to stop him, right? Mm-hmm. And then it, the rest depends on game script. If you think that the Eagles are going to be able to run the ball at will early, and that's that's a, we went light on the run the ball analysis, but like both teams are going to run zone defense. The Eagles have an awesome offensive line, but they don't really run up the middle. They run to the outside. And I think that the Chiefs defensive line is good enough and heavy enough that they can at least contain the offensive line and prevent them from getting to the second level as much. Keep those linebackers pretty clean. And like, dude, we loved Willie Gay coming out of Mississippi State. We, we did. There's, he's actually been pretty good this year. He's been solid, yeah. I believe that he will be good enough to stop Miles Sanders, who I think is a fine running back, not a special guy. Yeah. I, I mean, I just... What you talked about is going to be the difference maker in that. Can the Chiefs' D-line slow them down? Because the Eagles' O-line moves so incredibly well. They do. They've got a lot of athletes up there. They have one of the best O-line coaches. They do, which is which is so much of the game these days. Yeah, in that I, like, even though I agree with you in that the, the Chiefs' D-line does have big bodies that are good for run-stopping, God, this, uh, that O-line for the Eagles is, it is, is good. impressive. And they may win, but they won't dominate. Yeah. Because, like, okay, George Karloftis, we made fun of him so much last draft season, and I stand by all of it. <laughs> because what? Because he's not a defensive end. He's a defensive tackle. Yeah, he's a three-tech. But if you have a three-tech playing defensive end, that's a really good run asset. It is. And, like, Chris Jones, he's still Chris Jones. Mm-hmm. I want to make a dick falling out joke, but I can't think of one. And It would have been impressive. You could have pulled it off. I'm not going to lie. I, I, I tried real hard. And then Frank Clark, it is the playoffs, so that bitch might have been pregnant. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just now what you say when Frank Clark is playing well. No, I mean, like, he's actually, he's scary against the run because he's a power rusher. And that's why I make reference to when he scared the living shit out of his entire family by being a monster. Outside of an amusement park. In a hotel room. Yeah. I'm yeah. sorry. If it... They went on a family vacation to an amusement park. You got arrested twice in a span of two weeks with a loaded, unregistered Uzi in a convertible in Los Angeles, and that's not nearly the worst thing you've done. You're a special guy, Frank Clark. And then he went out to Cedar Point, baby. No, it was first. Oh. You did, that, that, this happened when Frank Clark was 19. The Cedar Park. Yeah, no. He, he, Cedar Point, rather. He, mm-hmm. uh... He got started early. The Uzis happened this past summer. Yeah, that's how we make him a great one, baby. Or maybe two summers ago. The Uzis happened when I lived in L.A. So two summers. He's, he's been getting in trouble for quite some time. Frank Clark. Certified piece of shit. Stamp it. But you don't want to face him in the run game. <laughs> God, we do Kansas such... City money line, baby. <laughs> we do such a silly thing. But yeah, I... It's, I don't think that the run game is going to be a significant factor. I think that the Chiefs will maybe... I mean, they're not going to stuff them. It's not going to be San Francisco style. But they will play them well enough that it's not going to be efficient enough to overcome an efficient passing game. Exactly. And and so it's going to come down to Jalen Hurts, and I am a doubter, period. Yeah, I, I agree with you that I think Hurts is going to have to play a good game. Like, he doesn't have to be elite. Like no. I said, I think he has to have, you know, what most people would consider, like, an above-average game. Yeah. But on your grading, I think he has to play solid. Like, you, you give him a C+, they'd think, probably win that game. I think C+, B- is my line. Um, 
because they're going to be able to run, but they're not going to be able to run to the point that they can control the game with it and that they're going to be able to get ahead with the way Kansas City's offense should be able to score relatively regularly. The Eagles are going to have to throw, and it's going to come down to Jalen Hurts. I would rather bet on Mahomes and the Chiefs yeah. than on Jalen Hurts, and that's kind of what it comes down to it, even though I'd be lying if I said my gut reaction isn't to bet on or my My gut reaction is to bet on the Eagles, but I think it's smart to bet on the Chiefs. My gut is the Chiefs. I think it's smart to bet on the Chiefs, but I am terrified. Because here's, here's what this game comes down to for me. This is a Farmer's Almanac forecasting. I believe that uh, it is pumpkin season, and we will have a heavy dose, uh, a very bountiful crop of Jalen Hurts-flavored pumpkins. Because I believe that in the Super Bowl of all places, he will show us that he is no different than the man that he was at Alabama and Oklahoma and in Philadelphia for two years. He just had a very friendly time of it against a bad schedule with a great coach and a great cast. And that when push comes to shove and he needs to actually be the motor, he's a gourd. Nice. Um, yeah, I mean, I I think that's super plausible. That, like, that, it's kind of why I'm going to... It's exactly why I'm going to bet on the Chiefs, even though I kind of want to bet on the Eagles. You want to do a cigarette bet? Another one? Yeah, we'll do another cigarette bet. Sure. I, I'll take Chiefs. Are we just doing money line? Just money line. One cigarette. One cigarette. I'll, one one Marlboro Red, to be specific. Oh, I I want you to lose just so you have to buy an entire pack of Marlboro Reds to give me a singular cigarette. I'm gonna have to miss the rent in this city. <laughs> <laughs> what are cigarettes here? Like fifteen a pack? Uh, about yeah. Jesus Christ! It's insane. When I go to Ohio, I literally get two for the price of one that I get here. I haven't bought a cigarette in Chicago since I was in high school, which means that back then they were like twelve, and we were like, Jesus Christ, this is wild. <laughs> For the nice ones. The Marlboros were still 9, 10. Okay, yeah. One Marlboro Red. I have Chiefs, you get Eagles. But when it comes to actual money uh, instead of Lucy's, we're both taking Chiefs. Chiefs. And Patrick Mahomes, MVP. Sure. Yeah. All right. That'll do it. We just spent, what, an hour and a half before we cut out the silences? Uh-huh. On one game? Hell yeah. Super Bowl! Woo! That was way too loud. I got excited. <laughs> All right. Uh... I don't know. We might recap the Super Bowl. We probably won't. We'll probably next time we talk to you guys will be draft season. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll we'll probably do some some free agent talk, but yeah, probably draft season. All right. Until then, please bet on football game. Asta. Mm-hmm.